Thanks for joining us in this episode of Learning Christianese, a series all about teaching newcomers or seasoned Christians about words commonly tossed around in the Christian faith that never seem to get clearly defined. I'm Justin, also known as Gustin, and joined with me today, as always, is my co-host Josh. Hello there. So last time we talked about what makes the God of the Bible, the God of Christianity, unique and different from every other deity in any other religion. And we said that that is that God is triune. God is tripersonal. Three persons, one being, one God, three persons. That is very difficult for us to wrap our mind around for a number of reasons. And one of the things that helps us begin to understand the Trinity is the concept of perichoresis, or the intra-Trinitarian relationship between the Father, the Son, and the Spirit, how they relate to one another. So how can the three persons be distinct from each other? Well, we can begin to explore that by thinking about how they relate to one another. See, and, and I have, this is a new term to me as well as the audience, a perichoresis. Uh, you, you mind, I guess, going into some more depth on that? And I'll, I'll, I think for this episode, I'll just have to take a, a back seat and just let you really, really drive the car and give us a, a good definition. Sure. So the, the word is used in a few different theological contexts. It's not in the Bible, but it's a helpful term that summarizes the ways in which the Father, Son, and Spirit relate to each other and helps explain statements that Jesus makes, for example, when he says things like, I am in the Father, and the Father is in me, I and the Father are one. And yet, the Father and the Son are still the Father and the Son. They are distinct persons. They are not the same person. The, the Son is the one who takes on a human nature not the father. The father is the one who sins the son. The son doesn't sin himself. The father is the one who speaks from heaven at the baptism of Jesus. Jesus isn't doing some kind of fancy uh, ventriloquist act. Uh, the father is the one speaking distinctly from the son, and the spirit is seen descending upon the son distinctly from where the son is and where the father's voice is coming from. And perichoresis helps us understand that the persons of the Trinity are united in their work and purpose, and there's perfect harmony and unity between them. And yet, they are distinct and perform different roles in salvation. So a way of understanding that, for example, is the, the Trinitarian relationship in salvation is a good way uh, to see this play out, where the Father sends the Son. He plans the plan of salvation, sends the Son to become incarnate, take on a human nature, and to die and to rise from the dead. And then the Son and the Father send the Spirit to dwell with the church, to sanctify the church, to regenerate hearts, and all these other things that we'll talk about in the future. And yet, it is perfectly good and right to say that the, the son sanctifies or that the father makes us holy and all these other things. And even though the spirit is the primary operator in those acts, because 
the Father and the Son are sending the Spirit, they're involved as well. So while we can distinguish particular acts like the Incarnation or the sending of the Son and assign responsibility for that act to a single person in the Trinity, the other persons are not just left to the wayside. They're involved in these things because the Son is the one being sent. And he's anointed by the Spirit and sent out to do his ministry in the power of the Spirit and, and all these other things that we can see in Scripture being made very clear and stated clearly about the way that the person of the Trinity are involved with each other and yet distinguished, distinguished from one another. And if all that sounded very confusing, well, welcome to Trinitarian theology and <laughs> language. Yeah, It gets that way. And again, I think this is purposeful. I think this is purposeful that, that God did not grant us the ability or a proper, clear, straightforward analogy to him so that we would worship him as Trinity, as Triune, and not be tempted to see him as resembling or close to anything in creation on a one-to-one -one level. Obviously, we're made in God's image, and that's a big deal. And Jesus takes on a human nature, the, the, or the, the Son takes on a human nature, and that's a big deal for, for understanding who God is. And yet God is distinct from everything he has made. He is different. He is unique. That's good stuff. Um, next week, we'll talk more particularly about how uh, specific members of the Trinity or persons of the Trinity operate in terms of salvation. So we'll, we're going to be continuing to go more into depth on the Trinity. So stay tuned, and hopefully your understanding will get better than it is at the moment, because we know this could be a much confusing topic. Thank you for listening to Learning Christianese. Make sure to follow this podcast on Spotify or Google Podcasts, and follow us on Twitter at Goostens at B Time and on Instagram at Goostens Bible Time. Go, delight in the law of the Lord, and plant yourself by streams of water. <laughs>